This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Richard Marquez, and today with me is the amazing Justin Ozer. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing good. Well, we're recording this today on Super Bowl slash Super Discovery Sunday, so <laughs> lots of good <laughs> stuff going on. That's right. Yeah, and there seems to be a poll on uh, who's uh, going to watch what tonight. <laughs> Fairly, everyone's going to be watching Discovery tonight, which is which is awesome. So, <laughs> well, I will, but that's only because I don't really care about football. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, it's the Eagles and the Patriots. I don't care for either one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and also with this, as always, is the lovely Amy Nelson. How you doing, Amy? I'm doing great, and I am looking forward to the Super Bowl. I'm wearing my New England's Patriot shirt, thanks to Ken Tripp from Standard Orbit. So, gotta send my love his way. <laughs> That's and right. I love luck. you, Ken. <laughs> Let's hope they don't deflate the balls this time. Ooh, <laughs> mm, that's for another kidding. podcast. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, talk about uh, the demise of the Patriots is not what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> so, it looks like we got a couple of comments from our last episode, which would be um, Earl Grey two one three, and that would be um, us talking about uh, the character Galron. Yeah, so uh, we got a comment from uh, Christopher Baca, who says. I didn't realize he was in so few episodes of TNG. I thought he was a good character on TNG. It sets up the politics we see play out on DS9. For all their talk of honor, you get to see what slimy politicians the Klingon leadership can be. So thank you for the the comment, Christopher. Yeah, it is kind of interesting to realize he was only in four episodes of The Next Generation. He was actually in more episodes of of DS9. But but yeah, we definitely do get to... um, you know, seeing some of these these episodes uh, that, that Gowron's in and the Klingon leadership that there's some corrupt stuff going on, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. And, um, well... Don't say anything about DS9. Yeah. Amy hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you guys are so kind to protect me and my unwatched DS9 episodes. So I'm looking forward to seeing Gowron in the future. There you go. Yeah, you get more Gowron. 
Yeah. Well, Tim Hans also made a comment, says, I have fond memories of Gowron as a character. It all goes back to the 1990s when I worked at a city-based farm. And one time when the herd of sheep they had there gave birth to a litter of little lambs. All those who worked there had the job and opportunity to give the newborn lambs their names. And as TNG was the thing for me at the time, I named one who I had a, a daily duty of bottle feeding, Gowron. What a cute little memory. It's very cute of thinking of the lamb Gowron turning into the, the sheep Gowron. <laughs> Would that be a black sheep? Well, I said maybe, I said maybe it became Chancellor of the Sheep Empire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you think it has bug eyes? Oh, oh most definitely. Uh, maybe, maybe Tim Hans. If you have a picture, you can show us. <laughs> I don't know. Probably from a long time ago, but uh, but, but he's got a. a if story. he doesn't have, if it doesn't have the eyes, he's got to Photoshop the eyes in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a that's a great story. Yeah, it is. It's it's really cute. I like it. I I actually didn't know that um, lambs gave more birth to more than one um, lamb. I thought it was like one and that was it, like mam- other mammals. But Well, it okay. sounds like the herd of sheep, you know, you have birthing seasons oh. like cows and stuff. So, Right, right, right. Yeah, right. but dogs are mammals sense. too and they, they give birth to litters. So, Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know, but I, 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 I don't usually Obviously, think about... Obviously, we have not yeah. been on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't, but yeah, I haven't thought about, about uh, you know, litters of lambs. <laughs> Mm. of lambs. There yeah. we go. <laughs> well, uh, Matthew Bell also commented, and he said, "Love the tangent on borders in three-dimensional space. Maybe they uh, make us use a th- uh, the use of thousands of probes to relay the barrier or net signal." I yes. love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's a great idea. We had that little tangent in the last episode about what was it, about redemption, where they're trying to have this net, and it doesn't seem realistic. But maybe yeah, if they have lots of probes, because it's two dimensional in three dimensional <laughs> space. Yes. Yeah, maybe it was they a have fun conversation. Thousands of probes in a spherical pattern, but yeah, I yeah. like the idea. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So, um, on to the episode. Uh, so, today what we're going to be doing, um, I guess in a theme uh, that it's February and it's almost Valentine's this, Day. This episode drops the day before Valentine's Day. Yes, it, it does. does. It does. <laughs> so, so, we have something special. Yes, we do have something special. Uh, and because it's the day before that, Valentine's Day, we're going to be talking about the love relationships or yeah, love relations, uh, ro- the romances of TNG. So obviously, we're going to be covering, you know, some of uh, some of the the more crucial ones like you know Picard, Crusher, and um, of course uh, Amy's favorites, uh, Ry- uh, Riker and Troy, very good, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're we're just going to go through them as a list and discuss them. As, as a relationship. Yeah, and we've just picked out certain ones. It would be hard to be really comprehensive because there's so many, you know, romances of the week and other things. So we're just picking out ones we're interested in. And, you know, certainly listeners, if there are other ones that we didn't cover that you're interested in, you can drop us a comment about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so we might as well start with the big ones. The big one. <laughs> yes, the big one. Picard Crusher. No! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's talk about Riker and Troy. <laughs> yes, shall we? Go, we y- could you spend know a whole yeah, hour on Troy and Riker. Probably you, you could. W- so condense it down. 
Well, <laughs> there, and it's hard to not include um, the book Imzadi because that gives us sort of the background of Riker and Troy. But we first learn of their uh, past relationship on Encounter at Farpoint where they know each other. Um, and I just, I love that they have that history. It really sets the characters that we feel like, oh, they know each other. Therefore, we know them right from the beginning. And I think it goes through the seven seasons. And it's very interesting, their relationship. And the previous Earl Grey team has talked about, you know, relationships in the 24th century and how, you know, because Riker has his own little flings and Troy has hers. Um, But throughout the season, you know that they always love each other whether it be a romantic love or a friendship love, and then culminating with Nemesis where they finally get married. So what do you guys think of the Riker-Troy relationship? Well, I, I, I like it a lot. I mean, I like that it's this thread that runs through the entirety of TNG, really. You first find out about their past and encounter at Farpoint, and then in Nemesis, they they get married. And I also like that, you know, it continues talking about... Um, their marriage and their relationship in the Titan books after that. So it's, it's like this thing that's a thread through the whole series and, you know, a lot of the movies, but what I like about it too, is that they've, they've had this past relationship. It's ended by the time you get to encounter at Farpoint. It seems like pretty much, but there are different points during the, the seven seasons where you see that they're, they're still like, it's really amicable. They're still friendly toward each other. They talk about, you know, different relationships that they have. And it's like, and, and other people like, you know, like people come up to, to Riker, like I think Worf does to Riker at one point, like, is it okay if I do someone with Troy's like, Hey, it's up to her. No big deal. Don't worry about it. But everybody knows that there is this history and that they have to kind of, you know, respect that. And I really love that it kind of comes back full force and in insurrection and then into into nemesis because it it feels like they've always been the right people for for each other and you know I love the kind of glimpses that we get and finally having you know that satisfying I'm getting married in nemesis so which I think is one of the best parts of nemesis <laughs> yeah and I like that you know you marry your best friend and you can see mm-hmm. their friendship you know, go through so many different stages and that they end up together and you don't have to jump into marriage, right? When you first meet someone or anything, that yeah. their relationship evolves and it's really a beautiful relationship. Yeah, and it's and and it can be complex. But what do you think, Richard? You haven't told us your thoughts yet. <laughs> um, I actually I really like the Riker and Troy uh, relationship. It's um so remembering it from Encounter at Far Point. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 maybe it's just me. I don't know. But it, it didn't look right between the two. I mean, it, it didn't seem like uh, they should be together uh, for me, or at least uh, that's what it felt like in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But as the season progressed, and then, of course, we went to other seasons and everything, it felt like uh, like they match. I, I don't know mm-hmm. quite how to describe that, but like they, they look... The, um, I don't want to say similar because, I mean, it's I guess it's it's that it's that like you know you have that kind of same style to each other and one complements the other and and mm-hmm. whatnot and it they just they feel like an actual couple as we as we progress into the later seasons. So like maybe the first part, first half of uh, season one, it didn't look like they were you know 
yeah, romantic or 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 wanted to be a couple. But I mean, like I said, they they look great. By the time he gets to Nemesis, um, uh, I'm not going to even talk about that. What other one? Um, but <laughs> and, but uh, the, the movie that shall not be named. Um, but like, um, yeah, I mean, I really like this uh, this relationship. It's I I would I I would hope. Uh, it's what everyone would strive for in a relationship to uh, be something like uh, kind of like what they have, which is very, which seems to me um, very close and very personal. And it's, um, it's like, I'm pretty sure there are a couple where they can probably finish each other. Well, you know, besides the mental telepathy, but <laughs> 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 is each other's sentences. <laughs> well, and I like that they are always honest with, with each other you know, that they know each other in so many different ways, so many different levels, you know, just that pure honesty. They're very authentic one with another. And when one's going through a hard time, like in the loss and Riker's like, um, snap out of it, you know, and she's mean to him and stuff, but that's real life. You know, you have struggles and you want someone who's there for you all the time. So I just, it's a great relationship. I, I do have one question, Amy. Do you, th- if she didn't have those em- empathy, like power or powers, uh, abilities, would he be that honest? I mean, I mean, like, I mean, because obviously she can know, she knows when he's lying, right? Yeah, but I think that he knows her well enough that he also knows when she's lying. Not that mm. she ever does, yeah. but, but, like but I mean, intuition, yeah. also I think when you see Riker in other relationships, you don't really see him lying or being deceptive unless I'm not remembering something right to, to other people he's involved with. I think right. generally he tries to mm. be like honest and straightforward about his intentions and how he feels about things. So I don't mm-hmm. think that would change. Mm. Um, but I do have something to throw a, like a, a little wrench in, in things. So, oh, a curveball. <laughs> so wait, wait, is Ro here? No, no, <laughs> Richard. Don't I bring promised her I up. wasn't going to say anything about that on this episode. You had to bring I that did up. I did it. <laughs> no, no, the, the, the wrench is something different. So here's what I wonder. Like, how much is it of their circumstances and what they've been through that works for them or that makes them right for each other? Because I think of the episode Second Chances where you have Thomas Riker, who's basically the same person who's been through eight years of different experiences. Yeah. And in the end, it wouldn't quite work with that person that's been through those like really tough experiences over, over that eight years and still hasn't worked out, you know, him prioritizing, uh, you know, his career in Starfleet over their relationship. So how much of it do you think is that they've had certain circumstances that in the end are conducive to their relationship? You know, that's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking to my uh, wife about how she was, you know, early, uh, like in high school, because uh, we, we grew up basically near each other. And uh, I was like, how would, would I'm just like, if I met you back in high school, would you, would you have dated me back then? She's like, <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I like, love her. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, are you saying that I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough for you back then? <laughs> But like uh, I think that's that's kind of like kind of like this where she's matured quite a bit, um, and obviously she I don't want to say miles, um, <laughs> like um, like she's gotten more experience and she's uh, she's gone through a lot more and she's just a little bit more mature. There we go, 
and mm-hmm. as a as a person as a woman or or and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I would hope so a counselor too yeah. um but like yeah I mean and he's like the past you know what I mean yeah. but but also you know Riker has been through these experiences in those previous eight years before that episode second chances the you know will Riker has been right. through these experiences that have also led to him you know maturing and maybe getting to a place where eventually that's going to work. And that's one of the things that I like about their relationship. It isn't like, okay, they had a past relationship and next week let's bring them back together. It takes some years for them to really adjust to it, to find that place again um, in insurrection, which is supposed to take place like 11 years after encounter at Farpoint. So there's been a a lot of, of time there. And the Thomas Riker that's stuck on this planet for eight years just trying to survive hasn't had the interaction with people and the experiences to mature in that way. So I think there's something also about what Will Riker has experienced in those years that makes it so that it can be right and work out later where it didn't before. Exactly. And, and because Thomas Riker was remembering probably through rose colored glasses, their relationship, you know, that they had previously and what Deanna was like eight years before, which might be different. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, you see them and both of them grow individually and grow together as friends. And like I said, just knowing each other on so many different levels, it's not just Mm -hmm. the pure relationship you know, it's not the sexual relationship, but they are learning each other about in command situations, mm-hmm. you know, as friends, you know, friends in a group, friends individually, like it's really beautiful. And and I think, yeah, when you're looking back like Thomas did, you're just going to always want that because when you look back, it's like, oh, I wish things could have, you know, been that way. And you're just always going to try and remember that. But he doesn't know who Deanna is and she, you know, has moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and also they've had this experience working together on a ship, Will and, and Deanna. And I think before they got on the Enterprise, I'm trying to remember, I don't think they had ser- actually served on a ship together. Is that right? That's exactly what I was just about to yeah, say too, because yeah. I don't right. think they actually did. Uh, it, I mean, obviously it's different when you're like, station there on uh, Beta Z and you happen to run into her for some odd reason um, while she's there. What was she? She was training. Is is that basically what she was doing? Or was she? uh, um, uh, No, no. Oh, no. I'm thinking Tin Man. No, she was a uh, she was a therapist for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and some of where we have to get some of that information is from the novels. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, which yeah. aren't canon, but um, yeah, because I, I, I was just trying to remember: is there something I was missing, or did they serve together on a ship before? And I don't think that they think did, so. or, or at least no. it's not mentioned in the series. So I think that helps to, like, working in that kind of professional capacity together can also affect you know how they see each other and, mm-hmm. and working in different mm-hmm. relationships and maturing in that way. So right, yeah. right. well, I just. You know, in that working relationship, I think that they both also gained a new, not a new, but they gained respect Mm. for each other, you know, and it's like, look at all the decisions that Rikers had to make and that Troy's had to make. And I just, yeah, that level of respect and getting to know each other. I know I've said this a million times, but it's just a really solid relationship so that when they do end up decide getting together in insurrection and then finally getting married in nemesis. It just really makes sense and is great for their characters because of what they have been through together serving. 
All right. So, I mean, we could obviously talk more about Riker and Troy, but we only have an hour. <laughs> yes. So let's move on to the next one. Um, Worf and Troy. See, now here I'm going to sound like I'm contrary because I love the <laughs> Worf and Troy relationship as okay, well. Okay, well then let's... Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, I... And I don't... Because I really do enjoy Riker Troy together, but I love Worf and Troy too. What I like about it, and I think I might have mentioned this before, is that their relationship we get to see from ground zero. So there's nothing previous to it, you know, but we see Worf and finally we get to see him be vulnerable and he's vulnerable with Troy. And so for me, it's only natural that a relationship is going to want to bloom out of that relationship. You know, after he loses Kalar and after we get Alexander on the ship and he's just at a loss and doesn't know and he's trying to be this father and he goes to her for advice and then they, you know, through the many episodes, well, make a contract with Alexander and that goes for you too. And so she's very honest with uh, Worf as well. And it's like, you've got to do your part. And, you know, and so I just, I really love just that, the beginning stages of a relationship. And then, like you said, Worf is so honor bound that, well, you know, in all good things, you know, we really should check with Riker. Why is he going to come to the holodeck with us? I just, <laughs> I love that line, you know, but I just think it's so wonderful to see this relationship bloom, you know, just the, the bud of a relationship. Yeah, I, I actually really like the Worf-Troy relationship as well. I know a lot of people don't because they feel like it seems to come from, from nowhere. But, I mean, I think there are certain seeds that were planted even, I think, a couple seasons before you see them in, in parallels um, with, I think it's ethics where, um, where, hold on. <clears throat> Into that again. Yeah, ethics is a yeah. really I, good I, one too. I mean, I think it's it's ethics, which is in season four or five, maybe it's five, um, where you see that um, you know Worf thinks that you know he's going to, I guess, take his life or you know be paralyzed for a while, and wants uh, Deanna to to help take care of of, uh, of Alexander, and they more formalize that a couple years later. But like it, it's it's interesting because I was rewatching Parallels today and. You know, they're they're kind of saying that in multiple different universes, Worf is married to Troy, oh, and it makes love it. <laughs> and it and I, I kind of really like them together, and 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 here's why. So, you know, Worf can can be kind of like really like rough and and kind of maybe rude to people and and doesn't open up much. But I think that that she can Troy can have the right personality to help bring more out of him. Mm -hmm. And on on the other hand, also, I mean, I think that um, that there's a certain like different kind of experience that that Troy can can try to understand or that, that can strengthen her her own experiences. So so I like it. I mean, it's it is kind of weird that it comes up in parallels because he goes to these parallel universes where they're married and it makes him wonder. And toward the end of the episode, he kind of takes her on a date with dinner and champagne. Yeah. Um, and, and it, the, you see it a little bit more. And I think I have the beholder and all good things and not much more after that. But, 
Um, I, I, I've always really liked it and wish we would have seen more of it. I think it makes sense why it wouldn't work in the end. Um, and actually that's, that's covered quite a bit in, in Peter David's other book, Imzadi 2, which I actually really like. And it kind of shows why that relationship wouldn't work because, you know, Worf does have all of these, you know, Klingon customs and, and ways that Troy is not He's as much into. He's got a lot of baggage. And he has a lot of baggage too. So I, I wouldn't say that she's the ideal person for him, but, but I like what they can do for each other, at least on the basis yeah. that we see in season seven. That Richard, really shows yeah, opposites can attract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now Richard? here's your place, Richard, to say why you don't like it. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I, so I, I know, I've said this. I, I've also said this several times before. Uh, I just see Troy as this. I don't want to soft is, is is probably inappropriate, but like this kind, gentle woman. And yeah, yes, soft, soft too. It's soft yeah. and everything. And then you got this rock. No mm-hmm. offense to um, Michael Doherty, <laughs> but like you got this rock, and it doesn't match well. That's why I love the Jadzia and Worf relationship. That yeah. relationship is great. I love it. That's actually one of my favorites in DS9. But like when it came to like Worf and Troy, maybe if they were to do something earlier. Then where they saw it, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. ethics was it was a tearjerker for me. I absolutely love and hate that episode, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, but like it, it, it's if they would have done something a little bit earlier, maybe I don't know, season two, maybe like once or or you know, break up Riker and Troy for whatever reason, and then Worf takes her on a date for and whatnot, and uh, and it do some kind of storyline of, of some sort like that. Then that, that I could see it. But I think they waited too long because mm-hmm. for me, when it got to all, all good things, it it felt awkward or mm-hmm. at least to me it did. I right. mean, it didn't look right, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like I said, you know, like I said earlier, you know, Riker and Troy look like they belong together um, based on look as in like how they're dressed and everything and whatnot. And even hairstyle. I, I, I can't believe we even talk about hairstyle, um, <laughs> even hairstyle, <laughs> but like, it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't match. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Here, I don't know. Here, here's the interesting thing about that. Now, Richard, I will agree with you that, that uh, Jedzia and Worf are a much better pairing and it, it works much better for a lot mm-hmm. of reasons that I won't talk about Amy too much. But um, So, However, like what's really interesting is, Richard, you see uh, Troy as, as, you know, kind of soft or, or gentle. And I think for the most part they've done, but there are indications in certain episodes uh, during the, the next generation that, that she can do what needs to be done and, and to do her duty. I think of an episode like, like Disaster, where she has to make some really difficult decisions and really, you know, take command to, to, in that situation to save the ship. But also what's interesting is that I think you see more of that later. So, for example, the um, the appearances of Troy you see in Voyager when she's with Barclay and doing Project Pathfinder and, and all of that. She's somebody that you actually really don't want to mess with and and has gotten to to be like stronger. So, and and you see that in some of the, the, the novels as well. I'm thinking particularly the Battle of Beta Z, which is a great one, which takes place during the Dominion War. But it's kind of like at this point, I can see how it's not quite right. But later on, based on other experiences, she might have actually been more of that match for Worf based on what we see later. 
Well, and I just wanted to say, because you brought up the hairstyle and I thought, well, that's sort of funny, but I like, but it's a good point because as we see Worf in the later seasons, like he grows his hair out a little bit longer. It's in that sexy ponytail, not going to lie, just on Worf. And, and Troy gets to to undo that ponytail I and ooh, know, look at all that hair. But that makes him softer, you know? And so I think there mm. there is, and it's just funny you bring that up because I'm like, yeah, well, Worf sort of got a little softer in the tiniest, most bit of way. But yeah, here he is, like you said, just this rock, rigid, hard, and she's this soft, you know, vulnerable. But yet, I, I don't know, I see... I really like their relationship because those exact opposites, you know, mm. and they play well one with another. Well, you didn't like the Bob? No, <laughs> that was disastrous. No, I, I like, loved it I when his hair, hair started getting longer. I'm like, oh, yeah. there we go. Yeah, Bring so on the I. handsome. Yeah, <laughs> it, it actually worked well for, uh, for, for, for the character. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. great. But yeah, I absolutely, yeah. just a little quick tangent. I love Troy in that first contact uniform. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think the first contact uniform looks great on everybody. Oh, well, I think it looks better on her than anyone else. But yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and one thing with the Wharf and Troy, I think I, I might be a little more enjoyable of this relationship because I've seen them so many times at conventions Mm -hmm. and Marina Sirtis and Michael Dorn, they are fabulous together. I mean, they're just such good friends in real life. It's, it's great to see. And so I think that sort of colors how I picture them in the next gen as well. Yeah, I could see that. And I think the Marina Sirtis of, of, of real life, if the, if the Troy character is more like Marina Sirtis, she would have been the one that would be actually doing like the, the, the Batleth practice and, and, you know, being this, this, badass i don't know more like jed z is yeah well <laughs> and i think you know troy sort of shows you know s- some girls like the bad boy and here's Worf, this bad boy you know type of thing hmm. <laughs> can't believe i just said that well well the show wouldn't be pg-13 it'd be like rated r yes because you know she tends to speak her own uh, speak what's on her mind oh you <laughs> yes, mean if it, if, if it was really marina sirtis as yeah. yeah 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 i could see that yeah <laughs> Yeah, that would be problematic. <laughs> so moving along, um, let's talk about Worf and Kalar. Yes. <laughs> yep. Amy likes this one too. I'm liking all up. of these relationships. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, okay. <laughs> Do I believe in monogamy? Um, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, dear. <laughs> Listeners. Right, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. So I really enjoy Worf and Kalar. And I, I'm wondering if it's because of Susie Plaxon, right? We just, mm. I love Kalar. And she mm. can put Worf in his place. He make, And she makes Worf sort of stumble and question himself and... You know, I, she just is so, so good with him. So I really like the Worf and Kalar relationship. Yeah, I think I've said it before. I, I love Worf and, and Kalar, and she is definitely Worf's match, um, can challenge him, can can fight with him, can kind of uh, deflate his kind of outer persona that he gives to people that he like you were saying, Richard, like he is like this rock that has, you know, no feelings and is all about battle and honor. 
I think she's really great for him. And I think in a way it's, it's a shame they had to kill her uh, so that we didn't see her again or see where that relationship might have gone if it might have been something that could be more long-term because it seemed like, you know, in the second appearance in, in Reunion, maybe if she didn't die, it could have could have gone further. But I think she is really great at, at just challenging him to be a more rounded person and not just like, you know, this this uh, kind of wall of like honor and, and battle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, so my, my opinion on uh Worf, I really think, I think, yeah, I, I think he's a rock, but I think he's one of the most, more emotional ones when he get past his wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's definitely one True. of those people that, um, puts on a good show. Um, he's a on deep the well. There you go. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And um, I like this. Uh, I would like this uh, relationship, but the only thing, the only reason why I don't like it now is mainly because I really wish they would have built on this relationship when, when Kalar died um, to bond more with her, his son and everything. Cause like from what my, from what I remember is that, or at least how I, how I saw it is that the relationship between Alexander and Worf, like, uh, grew further apart because obviously he went back to earth to grow up with his grandparents or with his grandparents mm-hmm. and um, really we, and it basically sent him off to, you know, without him. And it, I, I really thought that something like this would be a perfect opportunity to build off of. Um, but like, I mean, I love the relationship. Don't get me wrong, but I, I it just, it just reminds me of, of um, Alexander and how we, how he could have, built mm-hmm. on this um you know this is what your mother would have wanted us to do and then it, it very well could have softened up wharf actually yeah. it could have ended up yeah. uh, with more stories but like mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah. I, I mean I, I like it i always wonder too what would have happened if kalar hadn't died and if somehow she was in a, a position to actually like marry wharf and live with him and alexander and what would that have been like i don't know mm-hmm. because you're right that like alexander does get kind of pushed elsewhere and and those family relationships for Worf, you don't see them much for a while. Yeah. Well, funny you say that because I was thinking just sort of the Kalar Worf story almost mirrors the Riker Troy because when she comes back, mm-hmm. um, you know, and she's like, what do you think that I would give up my being an ambassador or that you would leave the enterprise? What, you know, and so it's like they both have aspiring careers in front of them. And so it just wasn't the right time for them to get together and just give up everything and go be a little Klingon family somewhere, mm. you know, which is <laughs> what we learn about with Riker and Troy. They both had ambitions and careers and, you know, the goals that they wanted to set for themselves. So being in a relationship would have mm. hurt that instead of help that. So. Yeah, that's that's true, and and uh, yeah, like Riker and Troy, Worf and Kalar had some relationship some years before we see her in in season two, and I don't know right. if we know that much about the circumstances, but yeah, it was something that happened, didn't work, and then kind of gets picked up um, right. again in the next couple mm-hmm. of of episodes, but but yeah, I I do wonder if a lot of of why I like the relationship is Susie Plaxon and the way she exactly. plays the character. And that I would just want to see more of her as that character to see where that would go. I mean, also like the idea of of her as like a Federation ambassador who's half Klingon is really interesting. I, I want to 
to see more, her on more missions and, you know, what she does in that role. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be really, really a fascinating thing to, to see. So, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Oh, I was just, just going to say, like, I love how Kalar puts Worf into his place. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, she's one of those strong women. And I, I don't know if she's like that in real life, but oh my gosh, she just, hey, you know, it, it, he might have some, some, something to talk about or something like that or some, something he's trying to pull over her and I can just see her. <laughs> nope, we're stopping this right now. Yeah. <laughs> this bus stops here. <laughs> but like, I, yeah. I, I absolutely, yeah, I love and, how she interacts with And her. like in yeah. the first encounter, she's, she's like really forward with, with, uh, with Worf. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to, to read it out, where'd it go? Oh yeah. So like, as soon as she sees him in, in, uh, the episode, the emissary, she says, so this is where you've been hiding. I told you we'd meet again. Aren't you going to greet me? She just like really confronts him right there and nobody yep. does that to Worf. So I love that, mm-hmm. that she can do that and, and be like, Hey, Worf, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. She <laughs> doesn't beat around the bush. That's yeah. what I love about her. Yeah. And I think that she's, um, she always like tries to be honest in her interactions, although not telling Worf that, you know, he has a son is weird. But <laughs> uh, other than that, I think she tries to be really straightforward with him. And I like that. So um, I guess moving along, uh, let's let's talk about Picard and Crusher. One of I, I mean, it's tragic that how it started. I mean, obviously, their their friendship and he still had feelings for her. But, uh, and, the, um, you know, obviously he had the cap that off with Jack and then you know uh, what do you Jack mean cap that off <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean because he, he mentions that he had feelings uh, for Beverly before uh, Jack and, yes and while they were friends obviously yeah. and then basically when they got married and had uh, Wesley and everything they ha- he kind of had to stop all that in his head and you know because mm-hmm. it, it's, okay. it's his, be- his best friend right mm-hmm. Jack was yeah, his best pretty friend pretty much yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. what they say yeah so you know it, it it I mean it sucks to do that but I mean I guess I guess he values obviously he values friendship uh, uh versus um you know and doesn't want to mess that up so I really love this relationship this uh, uh the way it was written originally I mean just like all the relationships you know there was a little eh, okay I could see that but when we got to the end wow <laughs> I, I absolutely love this uh this relationship and um, I love how close they get to each other, you know, uh, you know, playing off of each other, uh, you know, not trying, not being in a relationship, but they do. And, uh, and they play and they play this uh, sort of like, I don't want to say game, but I guess <laughs> dance uh, uh, to mm. uh, become a relationship. And, I, you know, eventually, obviously, I don't know if you read the, some of the novels, but some of them, yeah. um, they, they actually eventually got together. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to well, spoil it for you if you haven't read it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I really think, and I don't know if I want to say this, but like the Riker-Troy, like that's a good relationship and they have a past and and just like Picard and and Beverly, there's a past with them. But I see Riker and Troy having more relationships of the week where uh, Beverly and Picard, they seem to be more the wholesome ones where they don't have these I mean, they do, but Let's not, not as frequently. That, that, that Beverly had a relationship with a ghost. Well, okay. Well, and Picard had okay, but I'm just saying, like, 
uh, when I think about Beverly and John Luke, like uh-huh. they're the writing of that relationship is so amazing because the interplay between them, just starting from like the naked now, and she calls him John Luke, and there's always this familiarity that they have because of their past friendship, which they both know there might have been something, but because of Jack and everything. Um, And so then to have that, and then we see in all good things, like that they actually did get married and it just didn't work out. Like, But the interplay throughout the seasons, and especially in Attached, you know, where it just sort of almost solidifies that, yeah, they really could be together, I just think Mm. is great. And that sexual tension seems to show up more throughout the series, even more so than Riker and Troy, because of that sort of the forbidden because of Jack Crusher. So I I like that dynamic. It's interesting you say that because I I like Picard and Crusher a lot, but I feel like through a lot of the, the seven seasons, that it's very much, with a few exceptions like the Naked Now, it's it's very much underplayed. And I see it as kind of very much in the background, especially compared to Riker and, and Troy, which you're thinking about more. Um, Attached is one of my favorite episodes because I love seeing them actually get out in the open with their feelings and try mm-hmm. to kind of work through it. But I feel like in a lot of ways before that, that it's very underplayed and I don't like see it as much again with the exception of the naked now, but, but, um, I, I, I do really like, you know, especially in attached how they are interacting with, with each other and it, and it makes a, a lot of sense. Um, and I do love that in the novels, they, they get together and they get married, but you know, it feels like a lot of it's underplayed to me. I don't know if that's just, just me, but I don't see that tension as much for a lot of the episodes between them. Okay, so there's a lot of times and a lot of criticism, especially on Mission Log, so sorry, where they're always bonk, bonk on the head. And I'm like, what do you, I love that. But with the (laughs) Beverly and John Luke, that is not bonk, bonk on the head. And I love that. I mean, it's clear like when they're having breakfast together, there is something a little more intimate than just like the captain and his chief medical officer. And I love that. It's not more overt, yeah. Yeah, those breakfasts are just totally still the deal for me. Yep. <laughs> Especially when it gets interrupted by Vash. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, we'll get to Vash. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You get to see some, like, WWF or, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but well, when talking about Vash, because we're going to talk about her next. We'll talk like, about her next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might as well. Yeah. They... Because Vosh is intelligent enough to know that there's something between Beverly and Jean-Luc, right? You know, as Mm -hmm. women, you sort of pick these things up. And so I love that interplay, too. You know, and is Beverly okay with it? Maybe not. Maybe so. What's Vosh going to do about it to, you know, try and win Jean-Luc over? You know, it's a very interesting love triangle with those two episodes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, I've said it before that I, I really like Vosh uh, with Picard, it, you know, sort of like, as we said before, opposites of track with Worf and Troy, but like um, with Vosh, 
I, I don't want to say it. I, I, I get, okay, I'm just going to say it. Um, I think she's like a fling. That's that's all, that's oh, all yeah. she is. Yeah, that's complete. I, mean, I agree. I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I probably have more PR <laughs> stuff inappropriate. But anyway, but yeah, she's one of those uh, flings that, um, yeah, it don't kind of work out. Uh, she's she's dangerous and um, she likes living on the edge sort of thing. Whereas Picard, maybe if Picard was younger, mm. like just getting out of the academy and everything, then that would work. But not as the, not the a, Picard not right of, of, uh, of tapestry when you see him like at yes. the academy. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So definitely those, they would work well. Uh, Cause I mean, he li- he liked living on the edge at that time. And uh, obviously, cause he had a, knife go through his you know heart um and it, it's just it, it would work back then but now that he's experienced and uh, i guess you know matured. very reserved mature as well and, and whatnot it's not just it's not a good uh match but well, you like thing, it anyway yeah, yeah one thing i like about <laughs> it that it shows like you know you sometimes are attracted to this Ooh, look at this lifestyle and I want to, you know, go experience it. I think that's what you see. And I just think that's so fun to, you know, try and capture, but you know, it's not going to work out in the long run. I mean, I've been in a couple relationships. It's like, oh, this is so fun, blah, blah. And then it's like, yeah, this is just not me. So let's get back to reality. You know, it's Vosh's the Risa, you know, getaway like oh. you said, fling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I've made it clear how I feel about this in, on a past episode of Earl Grey, but I really don't like Picard and Vosh together. Um, like, in the the interesting thing with Vosh, I, I always thought she was in more episodes. She's only in two, Captain's Holiday and, and Cupid. And in Captain's right. Holiday, there's this thing that's that's going on, and, you know, Vosh is, is a part of it and is really deceiving Picard. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I could see how he would find it kind of, you know, exciting. He's on this, you know, this pleasure planet and he's saying that he's just there to read his book, but he doesn't seem Has too Has a horgon out there. <laughs> but doesn't know what it means yet. <laughs> um, but, but like, and, and he finds out like in the course of this who she really is, right? Mm-hmm. And then she come back, comes back in, in Cupid and... It's like Q sets up this thing where he has to save her and, and he does, but I don't know. I, I just feel really weird about it. Like it, it doesn't even get the space to really be anything other than just like an adventure and she's deceptive. And I kind of like that at the end of Cupid, she just heads off with Q because that's kind of the right person, you know? So... Anyway, at least to have some kind of adventure. I, I've just never really liked that relationship because it just yeah, feels like... No, I'm talking about Picard and Vosh. Yeah, that's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, you are? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't like them together. You don't? Oh, okay. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. We're saying like there's something like exciting about it or that kind of works, but it's not really like... Yeah, it's thing. not reality. Yeah, yeah. And okay. the thing is like with Cupid, and I think Picard even <clears throat> says it, it's like... You know, you could have replaced Vosh with anyone and I still would have done anything in my power to save that person, you know, because of his integrity and who, what he believes in life and, you know, stuff like that. It's not that it was Vosh. It was that I'm going to save this person and, you know, 
stuff like that. So let's write some I, fan fiction. Instead of Vosh, it's Troy, and Picard has to save Troy, and they have a great relationship and live happily ever after after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't I'm just I messing did not with like that. Nope. Okay, okay. He has to save Beverly Crusher. <laughs> well, one of my favorite uh, relationships with Picard is Commander Darren. I love this so much, and if it wasn't for Crusher, oh my gosh, this this I think this would have been a really uh, really great. I mean, obviously this is after uh, Inner Light, and um, you know he has the what he learned how to um, uh, play. What was it? What it's it, a flute. Once he was skilling, okay, Russican flute. Yeah, the Russican flute. There you go. But now with a duet, he shares it. Yeah, and it's so beautiful. It's like. It's to me, this relationship works really well. She's that she fits that mold of being reserved, experienced, and you know, yeah, she's a little bit, you know, at a distance, you know, trying to get to know, um, you know, Picard and whatnot. And uh, I, I guess the the whole fraternization is also another another issue too, because like you know, obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kind of hard to be the captain of a starship when <laughs> everyone's under you and you can't really date anyone. <laughs> which sucks. Um, but like, I really love it. It's, it's beautiful. I really think that, um, it's, it's a very genuine, uh, like relationship and I think it would have worked. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? Well, I, I've said it on a previous episode. I love the Picard Darren relationship so much. I, I even prefer it to the Picard crusher relationship because there's, there's something about, about Nella Darren that I think like you were saying a little bit, Richard, like she's, she's someone who's, who's, she can be reserved, but she can be like really straightforward also has, you know, uh, like the shared interest in, in music. Um, and they have, they're geeking out on the science during the, the, the episode lessons. And there's just something that feels like it's like with, with the way I see Picard sometimes is that he's someone that on the outside seems like you know, he's, he's just like calm and measured, but I think a lot of times there's a lot of things that are kind of roiling inside of him that, that he really is, is trying just to keep a lid on and, and not to, to get out. But I felt like even seeing in just in the episode lessons that Darren could be the, the kind of person that could help to, I don't know, let some of that out or, or deal with that or in like a therapeutic way, like through the, the, the music or, you know, something like that. I don't know. There's just something I feel like there, there's like a great potential for the relationship. And I'm actually sad they didn't come back to it or have, have them meet again at, at some point. I mean, it was destined the way that they wrote it, that it wouldn't work out, but, but I like them a lot. And I think it, it makes sense from, from the very first for me. And it's, it's just one of my you know favorite relationships in Star Trek and favorite for, for Picard. So Amy, here's your place to disagree. <laughs> yes, I do not like this relationship. Um, I, I think for a romance of the week, it works just fine. But mm. I never bought into that Picard within this small amount of space would be willing to open up to someone, especially like Richard, what you said, his subordinate like that. He's got too many scruples. It's not going to fly. 
Um, he's too by the book at this point in his life. And so I didn't see that working. I didn't see, yeah, they have this share of music and, but I just, it didn't work for me. And I love the episode. Don't get me wrong for a relationship of the week. It works just fine, but I am glad that it never worked out. I didn't believe that he got so emotionally involved with this person. It, it just didn't work for me. And I can hear your points and I see what you're saying and I, that's fine. I just happen to disagree. No, that's fine. I mean, it's interesting because usually these romances of the week don't work for me. This is one of the very few that actually does work for me. And I feel like there's, the, the way that they're playing it and the investment in in the relationship and how things develop and how she challenges him and kind of brings certain things out and can and can share kind of this this you know secret life that that he had a little bit through the music um, I don't know it, we'll we'll disagree but it works for me really well. yeah well as far <laughs> as you know a relationship of the week I'm I'm saying it's the best episode of a relationship of the week, but I'm glad Mm. it was just for that one week. (laughs) Okay. I'll disagree on that. (laughs) But it's also, you know, TNG at that point wasn't the kind of show where you would just bring someone on and then it would just kind of continue from there. So it was never going to work out, but if it were, (laughs) I would like that. So, Mm. Mm -hmm. so moving along, um, let's talk about, the movie that should not be t- uh, uh, spoken of, and the except relationship. Except we're going to speak of it. Except for we're going to speak of it just this one time. It's one break in the time continuum. I will take the hit with the uh, t- uh, Office of Temporal Incursions or whatever. Are you going to so, take anyway. the criticism from Ken as well? And also Ken too. So um, <laughs> sorry, Ken. Here we go. Let me put on my shield. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about Anish and Picard. Amy, you want to start us off? Yes. I love, love this relationship. And it I it comes head to head with Beverly and Jean-Luc. Like this one to me seems very authentic. I love Anish. I think she brings out his philosophical side, which I think is his best side. And just teaches him to slow down and to enjoy life and to look at it through a new perspective and how she does that in such a loving yet not forceful pushing none of that like she is who she is and that's what I love she's so authentic and he is drawn to her and I just think that is such, for me, it's just such a great relationship. It really does rival. And I don't know if I could say which is better, which I prefer. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I've you know, I said it on a previous episode. I do like Picard and, and Anish uh, together. I, I mean, for I think for all of the the reasons that you put forward, Amy. I, I mean, and, and also, yeah, she, it, she's very much just like, here's who I am. You know, let's let's just see where where this goes. And I think there are some really beautiful scenes in 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 the movie where they're just really like talking to each other and opening up with each other. And she's bringing out some some things in him that that I think he has to deal with or he has to really um, to really think about and really you know s- slowing things down and just taking some moments to really realize where he is and what's important in life. 
So I, I, I like her a lot for all of those reasons. Now, I think Darren's better, but I mean, I think Anish is, is definitely up there and I prefer Devosh for sure. <laughs> you know, honestly, if we were to compare Darren to Anish, I really think that they're the same person. Hmm. Um, as in like when it comes to like slowing down and, you know, uh, bringing the best out of Picard and, you know, I, I, you know, okay. I have seen the movie just to clarify. Very good. <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> but like, um, one of the scenes that I really like uh, about, about her when he talks to her is that, you know, taking life slow or slowing life down and, and whatnot. And then, you know, him describing that people would kill or you know, trade trade everything uh, to ha- uh, to slow their pace of life. Which you know, in a society that we're in today, I mean, uh, who wouldn't want to slow things down? Maybe not to a standstill like it, like like she was showing him, but at least to keep to catch up and to appreciate things. Yeah. And that's what I really love about that relationship um, between the two is, is that it's it's uh, it's one of those life lessons that you get that you could only know that you're getting old, when you're getting older is to appreciate things. A little bit more when you get older, um, and that could also apply to relationships too. So, um, yeah, and that's what yeah. I like is that you know Picard obviously is older from when we met him at Encounter and Farpoint, and so it just seems so fitting for his stage in his life to meet her and to experience this with her. It just seems so natural. Yeah, and there's so much to learn from somebody who's even much older, <laughs> right? Okay, well, um, that seems to be all the major ones, or at least that's what we thought uh, were the uh, major ones. If you guys have any more relationships that you would like to talk about, we would, um, we'll probably come back uh, in later on in another episode and um, cover the rest of them as well. So just let us know in the Babel Conference in the comment uh, of, this, uh, of this episode, and we'll gladly uh, discuss it on another ep- uh, later episode of Earl Grey. So let's uh, talk about final thoughts. Uh, Justin, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting when we do this and we just look at the next generation from a certain perspective, in this case, the romantic relationships, because, um, be, because you know, it, in, in just looking at that, like Riker Troy, just looking at all of the different interactions they had and how the relationship progresses, you know, it makes you think about it in, in, in a different way. And when we're talking about, you know, Thomas Riker and why that didn't work out, um, like, and, and what's interesting to, to notice is that when we talk about like what are kind of considered the, the major relationships, um, a lot of them are in terms of, you know, Riker and Worf and Picard, I think. Um, and we, I I guess, tend to think of it more that way instead of like, what are the major relationships for, you know, Troy and Crusher and maybe Yar or somebody like that. So I think it's interesting the way that the writers kind of structured how the different relationships work and which ones feel more prominent, um, in, in our mind. And I mean, of course there are a lot of kind of relationships of the week for, you know, Troy or, or Crusher, but, you know, the ones that really stick in our mind, I think are, the ones that are maybe a, a bit more from the perspective of like Riker, Worf, Picard. I just think it's interesting to look at the list and, and realize that. Huh. Well, that's interesting because I look at it coming from the perspective of Troy. I know that's no surprise, but, you know, and, you know, looking at the relationships of the week and stuff like that, w- which we didn't go into, I mean, because there are so many 
Mm. Troy is definitely involved with quite a few. And I would say Riker, like I said before, Riker and Troy have a lot of relationships of the week, probably more so than the others. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I like about, yeah, like you said, looking at Next Gen through this perspective is so interesting because you can see the writers really delving into many different types of relationships that we as society and we as humans go through. You know, we see the uh, sexual relationships, we see the friendship relationships and how that can develop into a stronger, you know, more romantic relationship. We can see the working relationships, you know, being on a star, uh, a starship and stuff like that. So I really enjoy looking at it through this lens of these relationships and, you know, sort of having your flings and coming back to reality. And it's just been really fun. I've really enjoyed this. Um, I really like uh, actually going through these and, and thinking of it through from season one to season seven. And it, it definitely shows that the writers grew. I love it uh, that they, uh, and you know, they tried multiple things and whatnot. And I love the progression that we saw with all the relationships, um, really, from the very beginning to the end, and um, yeah, I, I, I just hope that um, that we uh, we could see that in other other shows. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely it definitely was a, a an eye opener to uh, what uh, how they grew, you know, from from the beginning to the end. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's also interesting that we talked about some things in Insurrection and Nemesis, but nothing in Generations and First Contact. I guess maybe there just wasn't as much there for those kinds of relationships maybe you know that's a good point because there's <laughs> well generations i think we've said it before like in my mind when picard goes into the next when he goes into victoria this, christmas tree land yeah that <laughs> really needs to be beverly i'm so sorry i will always say that it needs to be beverly or could it possibly be another the the re, well I, I don't know if this is how they did it but why they did it but could it be a different one because he he's not entirely sure about Beverly you know what I mean like it should have been Noah Darren <laughs> yeah no <laughs> I I'm just saying like I mean it's it could be like he's it could it could be the misinterpretation or the interpretation of him being confused mm-hmm. on who he wants to be with. Is it Beverly or is it someone like her or what? You know, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. Or maybe it was just because they couldn't get her. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> to do it. I don't know. In first contact, they're just too busy saving the earth anyway. Yes. So there you go. It's a boring story. <laughs> it's a one and gun movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Because you couldn't really evolve a relationship out of that i mean that would just well, be too awkward really. unless Picard in my had head a relationship canon with, with first contact weird. with drunk troy it was always will who was nursing her out of her uh drunken state so or her mm. hangover <laughs> so that's that's in my head canon so there's the relationship there okay yeah yeah <laughs> no that was her talking the way she, she wants to talk yes <laughs> that was marina yep well listeners um we just wanted to give you a preview for what we're going to be talking about next week so cue up your season three and we're going to look at um some character moments from season three so uh, you can look forward to that yeah definitely it's going to become harder to choose these things oh my gosh i know (laughs) can't we just break them up into what part one and part two of season three or something like that (laughs) 
<laughs> no, <laughs> we haven't done that before. <laughs> take it, take it. <laughs> You'll just have to, yeah, choose your your moments. Yep. Choose wisely. Oh yes. Mm. Well, it's been so much fun talking about the romantic relationships on TNG, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Literary Treks. But let's start with that first one, that siege in super space. So, oh boy. Super space, I, I don't know. Is this, is this better than subspace? Is it? Well, I think is it this? is. I, you know, the thing I, I really love about this issue is we haven't had uh, many stories at all about super space. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Right. So, okay, they're under orders. They're not supposed to talk about it. And that's how, that's how you maintain the continuity that Kirk and Spock are surprised that there's a mirror universe. I mean, that works. That, that, that makes sense. But these people were there. They know that there's doppelgangers there because they know that because Cadet Tilly became Captain Killy. Right. They know they know this. To the journey. There was a lot of face melting in this episode. You're right. <laughs> Everyone's melting. What a world. What a world. It was, yeah, and everybody was slimy looking. Why were they so sweaty? Why? Seven of Nine had this full-on board queen look about her. She did, and who else was really sweaty looking besides Seven? Neelix was really sweaty looking. Yeah, well, yeah, I thought. he was. And he had kind of a silver tone. He had the silver blood. He did. Like, he was distinguished. Distinguished melting Neelix. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he got a buff and polish. <laughs> <laughs> the 602 Club. No, I I mean, it was really all we had was like animated shows. Like you had like the animated Batman series, the animated Superman series. And uh, as far as the big screen went, it was not so great. I mean, you had Blade. Blade was some people cite Blade as kind of the precursor for the superhero genre picking back up. But it was very much kind of a, a genre film. I don't. I know technically it is a comic book film. I don't know if I'd count it in the realm of, like, big-budget superhero movies. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of the shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps other listeners find our show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways you can do that. The best place is to join the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So Richard, where can people find you when you're not thinking about Worf and Troy together? 
Hmm, not <laughs> thinking about Warford Troy. <laughs> uh, well, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference. And I am also on Twitter. My my handle is Ransom. So, A.B., where can people find you when you're not attending Troy's and Riker's wedding? Oh, I would love to be there. Um, you can find me here on the network. I'm hosting with Brandon Shamutella, The Edge, which is Star Trek's uh, Discovery coverage. No. Podcast? Yes, the podcast, yes. <laughs> so you can find me here on the network co-hosting The Edge, which is our Trek FM's dedicated podcast to Discovery with Brandon Shamutella. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. But my favorite place is right there in the Babel Conference. And Justin, where can people find you when you're not rooting for Picard and Darren to have a long-term relationship? Well, I'm always rooting for that, and my hope always springs eternal for Picard and Darren. But usually, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Uh, currently tweeting out my season four rewatch of The Next Generation. I know it's been going on for a while, but I'm getting close. A couple episodes left. <laughs> and then on to season five. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Things are only impossible until they're not. It was very stimulating. <laughs>